Blog Talk Radio. Aloha. Happy Aloha Friday, as we always say in Hawaii. Well, we say it everywhere if we're from Hawaii. It is a great time here because we're going to talk some movies and talk some production. And we are going to be joined by film director Camille Brown of the Ninth Ward, which is going to be coming to Blu-ray and DVD and release to Amazon Prime on August 29th. Pardon me, I have to take a little sip of water. We like to kick back here like it's a coffee shop, so we invite guests to have their tea or water, and rather than go with a dry throat and not be able to breathe, we'd rather that they take a sip of water. So The Ninth Ward is a great film. It's a multi-layered, multi-genred film, and we're going to get into discussing the synopsis and all the great stuff when once the director calls in. I personally, as a host, I cannot stand seeing shows that uh, the host is explaining everything about the movie. Uh, you'll, you'll frequently sit on TV like Clint Eastwood will be in the chair and the host is explaining the movie. And it's like, why do you want to explain the movie? You have Clint Eastwood right there. So here we like to jump into it with the filmmaker. We've been so fortunate. Uh, we're on a great run right now where I, I can't even think how many episodes in a row we've been able to get the director of the film, uh, whether it's a student, uh filmmaker that's been winning a bunch of festivals, filmmaker with theatrical releases, limited theatrical releases, uh, Amazon, HBO, Netflix, uh, the director, producer, cinematographer. It's been a very just awesome, kick-ass time. I mean, we love all of our guests equally, and we have the connection to have filmmakers from all over, from L.A., New York. I'm just giving this little brief plug uh, for new listeners that that have come to support uh, this film. You can check our website out at www.talkingpicturesla.com. And that again, that's www.talkingpicturesla.com. And now I see our guest is calling in. One moment. Hello, are you there? Yes. Camille, how are you today? Good, I'm great. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Any, uh, as we discussed before, any any uh, friend or associate of Miss Kerwin is welcome on the show. Uh, oh, great. I love Amy. Yeah, she's fantastic. Our uh, Our audience, you know, knows her from coming on in her film and the multiple times she's given us guests that we thank her. So we do have some people out there that love her film and all that stuff. Uh, one thing that will, that I can tell why she recommended you was because you guys both had a, I say this word wrong, niche, niche, whatever. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that just doesn't care. Everybody pronounces a word and it's like, I got these in English. Um, I don't care. I'm an artist. Um, so you you had a great 
Well, first of all, why don't you tell us what the film's about, and then we'll, I'll go into the questions. Um, the Nth Ward is about um, an engineer with the U.S. Army Corps, and she's sent to assess the damage after Hurricane Katrina years and years later. It's a thriller, supernatural, political, um, a lot of genres in one. Um, and she goes to uh, New Orleans, the Ninth Ward, to see why it hasn't been rebuilt after all these years. Okay. Now, uh, let's see. Um, I liked I like this IMDb uh, synopsis that says leads her down a path of political deceit. Uh, we yeah. definitely won't spend time getting into what our world is right now because that just wastes oxygen and takes time from the show, but. What is your, what would, did you have a personal connection or story or what made you go with this topic? Um, I had uh, previously seen pictures of the Ninth Ward and the media always tells us, oh, Norms has been rebuilt, it's been rebuilt. And so I believed it. And then I went down there and I saw the Ninth Ward. I said, well, it looks like it looks years prior when the hurricane hit, what happened? What happened to all that money? What happened to all the aid that came down here to rebuild this area? Why are there only a few houses and then the rest of the neighborhood still in like rubble? So um, I started interviewing the residents and they, they told me some conspiracy and then people who were uh, no longer living in the ward. I um, interviewed them in LA um, and they told me their story. So I was like, well, how can I make this, uh, you know, a fictional narrative and touch on some of those issues they discussed? Oh, okay, I see. So you got to go down there because I didn't tell the audience this, but I I think I had told you um, I was actually driving to New Orleans when Katrina hit. And, of course, this was before cell phones every second and Facebook and texting every five seconds. So I was actually on a road trip and I was in Chicago and I was with my best friend and I hate saying ex-girlfriend. So girl out this time and we had, yeah, you know, and it's like, we were just, we said, you know what? She was a journalist. I said, you know what? You don't even get to read newspapers. I don't get to watch movies. Like we're just going to enjoy being in Chicago. Like, we're not going to take calls. And so basically we were spent this whole week in Chicago, not knowing that this hurricane was headed for New Orleans. So we left New Orleans or left Chicago, the highway, there's a highway that picks up in the middle of Kansas and just shoots down into New Orleans. And, and I walk into a gas station. I see this, city getting hammered by a hurricane. I go, God, that's so horrible. The Bahamas is getting hammered. And I come back from the bathroom and, and my girlfriend goes, uh, we're not going to New Orleans. I said, why? She says, look. And then I saw the Mardi Gras street and I mm. just thought, wow, you know, we, and so we basically, you know, we would have been there, uh, had we went two days before we would have been there or at some point would have been stopped or, you know, I often think what if we had went there four days earlier Oh, so it was trapped. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was kind of crazy because then we had to go back to LA because we were going to go to San Antonio and Houston, and then gas went from one dollar to five dollars, which 
I'll never understand why a hurricane in New Orleans makes gas go up three dollars. Um, so it was just a t- talk about political deceit. <laughs> yeah. I will never. You will never convince me of why the ninth ward getting destroyed makes gas go up around the country. Um, I'll I'll never believe anything anyone tells me on that one. So that was kind of a so that so that so what was interesting for me was to see this film and just instantly be like, I remember seeing that damage and I remember them saying not to go down roads. So uh, was there kind of a weird, when you talk about the supernatural thing, did you kind of pick up off of like, uh, sorry, uh, whenever you go somewhere where there's been a lot of tragedy or death, I kind of always feel like, like I've been to nine 11 and I feel like you can kind of smell that smell the death. I've been to ground zero and I feel oh, like yeah, you can smell sure. the death, you know? So like, was there, so is that how you, you were able to pull like kind of the tragedy oh. you felt there? Oh, for sure. As soon as I went down there, it's a, it is a vibe. There's this feeling. I don't know. It's a strange feeling. Even when I was in the war driving, you know, the streets are all fractured and, um, you know, they're, they're dumping like, mattresses and tires like at the dumping ground and you know and my friend um who was with me she uh we were driving through and she said she just saw a girl run barefoot behind the car in a white dress and by the time I turned around there was no one there so that really freaked her out and freaked me out too I was like well let's just get out of here because it's getting dark and we didn't want to be there when it got dark um yeah it's just a it was an eerie feeling. I, I don't know what it was. It, it, I think it was no different than me when I lived in uh, Virginia and going to a plantation. You can feel something. It's something unsettling. So that was the same kind of vibe I felt when I was down there in New Orleans, especially in the Ninth Ward. It was just an unsettling feeling. Yes. Uh, that's something that I think a lot of people don't pick up on, like kind of – I've driven over the Continental Divide or I've been to Delta and when you go by the plantations, you know, you, you definitely just feel this odd thing in the air. And then you, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I shouldn't explain what I was doing, but let's just say maybe I was a little bit intoxicated. And when I went across, across the Continental Divide and I wasn't driving, I literally like kind of felt these like, Native American spirits and it was and it was kind of a like you know like kind of like a you could pass thing like you could go through here and I always kind of maybe attributed to as a little bit intoxicated but it was still kind of a definite link to the land I'm from Hawaii so there's a big like link to the land when you're there and uh spirituality that a lot of people you know they go on vacation and they stay there because they love the way the land gives them energy. So I was really interested in uh, that aspect of your film and what made you uh, go to that. So my next question would be uh, your actress, um, the act, the lead actress, uh, Julia Bennett. Okay. She, she was fantastic. So what, what was your process like with her? Um, we we did a casting session and uh, she was great in the, um, audition, and um, w- when we were down in, um, we shot part of it in Atlanta, 
and Sumer there, she really got into the character. She had interviewed um, an engineer, a female engineer from the U.S. Army uh, Corps, um, and so she really kind of got the understanding of who her character was um, by meeting with this other um, engineer. Um, and she really got into the role and understanding, like, you know, what the devastation was and what her backstory was. So that process is good. And did you, um, so how long from, like, casting to shooting or, like, how, because she, I mean, she really, really nailed it. And I know that's the director and that's in the writing and that's also how the cinematographer uh, shoots her. So, how, I mean, what was what was the time in between casting to shooting and all that stuff? Oh, you know, this process really um, happened quite quickly. I was determined to make this film. I said, I'm going to shoot a film. I don't want to wait any longer and wait for permission for someone to, you know, let me do art. So I'm like, I know how to make a movie, so I'm going to make it. So the process was pretty quick. I finished the script in May. Um, we scouted in July, and then we cast in August, September, and then we started shooting in October. So she, Juliet had about, you know, I don't know, months to prepare for it. It was a, an accelerated schedule because I, you know, the timing, I just wanted to get it done, and I didn't want to wait anymore, and, and things just started falling into place. So um, it was a, quite a, a you know, uh, accelerated um, time for her. So, yeah, she had about a month to prepare for it. Wow. Now, again, everyone, we're here because this comes to DVD and Blu-ray, Amazon Prime, on August 29th, and we're here promoting this. Also, real quick, uh, you're, you had told me, but I just want to tell the audience, you're a film fatal, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, you know what, what I love? A lot of women. Yeah, well, well, what I love about about that organization is that almost every, well, except for the few who are, like, doing uh, television and obviously have to follow what the studio wants them to do or the uh, that time schedule, time frame, whatever. Um, when we're talking about their indie work, it's always just, like, kind of, screw it, I want to shoot something. And I I just really like that attitude because... Uh, I think like I, I meet filmmakers and I've I've produced a couple of things on Amazon Prime and I've had filmmakers say, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do you do a feature? And the only answer is just doing it. I don't I don't think there's another answer. I don't like. I mean, obviously you have to be fiscally responsible to your investors or you have to pay attention. But um, I've made some pretty crappy stuff. <laughs> And but I had the great satisfaction of saying, well, you know what, that might be a big turd, but it's on Amazon Prime. So I'm just grateful that I can go on Amazon Prime and look at the icons and be like, hey, you know, that was worth something. So mm-hmm. I really admire how you guys have that, uh, well, your camaraderie. And I, I just like telling everyone when I have a film fatal on because you guys are kind of just like storming the industry right now you guys are just uh my big joke is i don't say 
you guys inspired me to you guys inspire me to make films. You guys inspire me to not make films because your guys' films are so great that I <laughs> I see something I go, well, screw it, my film's not going to be that good, um, so I'm not going to make my film. Uh, but uh, wow. I know that's not your guys' intent, but yeah, no, but it's just it's my little joke. But um, yeah. I just really dig. Please, people. Also, I'll, I'm going to ask Camille her social media in a sec, but please check out the film Fatals on Facebook. Uh, I have probably had 20 of them on. I'm I'm actually waiting for a film that I don't like. I've I've challenged the group and my own brain to make a film that doesn't make me just totally love it. And of course, that's a joke. So, uh, with that, uh, hit us with your uh, social media, Camille. Um, well, you can find me on Facebook, and my Twitter and Instagram is um, at the Camille Brown, and um, uh, and I, I don't know how you find it on Facebook. It's just Camille Brown, and, and I have it, the Nth Ward pa- Facebook page. I'm not very good at social media, so. Um. Okay, now so people know the it's the and then ninth is not ninth. It's N T H Ward. So if you guys don't go looking up the word ninth, which I thought that was a creative uh, spin on the title. The my, end word, yes. Yeah, end, I like thought that was really powers, cool. Like the unknown, the unspecified. Yes. Oh wow, you're you're going you're going out there with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love. I, I I love how artists can just be like it's up on a cloud over the valley. It's like oh yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so what I another character that I really liked and let's see I should have looked up his name. Um shoot, I'm not finding his picture right off the bat. Uh James the Ward? Oh, Glenn McGee. Yeah, he was uh he was so like it, uh, knowing he's me fantastic. he's probably some guy Yeah, yeah, is he some guy who's like been on TV for 35 years or I mean I've done that before. I've been like what what has your actor done? They'll be like, well, they've been on Law and Order for 18 seasons. Um, yeah, he, he comes from a music background, actually. He toured like all over the country, and um, he's just a great artist um, in itself. And you know, he's been on uh, the show Atlanta and a few commercials. So, but he was an Atlanta local hire, and he was just fantastic. Oh my gosh, because he was so. Uh, I I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I do want to compliment whatever your costume uh, person was because he had some sweet ass suits. I'm I am very female when it comes to my suits and watches, and I'm not vain, but I just well, that, those I, are, he's a stylish guy himself. Glenn McGee is very stylish. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was like, idea, whoa. But... Okay, yeah, because I was like, that guy's sporting that suit. No, and he <laughs> like, has nice. Watches. He has nice. He's nice wardrobe. He's very kept to himself. So he brought that to the character. Like he's very oh, okay. put together. So yeah, because I, 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 nice I was I wanted to make sure and compliment that. Um, it's very. Uh, do you find it as a director? I, you know, I've never really talked to a director about the costuming aspect of their film. That you were saying that was kind of what he's like. Was that? Is that kind of like a nice, the director has a thousand questions, like Tom Hanks says, the only job a director has is to answer questions 
properly 51% of the time? <laughs> did you did you did you feel like oh, okay, well, that's what's going to suit him, so I don't have to even think about what's going to make him look good. What uh the costuming in the film, what was that like? Cuz I I saw a lot of distinct costuming with Juliet and with it's hard to not be cliche when you're casting a beer drinking guy from the south. So how did you work I the costumes to, you know, of these characters? I had a costume designer, Sandra Washington, so she did a fantastic job. You know, our budget was limited on, on the, the costumes she could purchase um, and the wardrobe. So, you know, she she met with all the actors, asked them to bring all their clothes, and then she matched all that stuff up, and she did an excellent job. I kind of told her I had met with her a few times before we started shooting, and we flew out there, and how I – kind of felt the characters and she went through all the characters and said okay this is what she felt and this is how her interpretation was so I really just let her run with that and she did an excellent job and she you know bring me choices and I said I like this instead of this and um, I think she you know did a great job so um, with the the wardrobe with each of the characters um, you know a lot of that was their own wardrobe and she mixed it and matched it and, and made it you know, look good for the characters. Ah, okay. Because I, I was very uh, intrigued by the. It's not knocking any independent film, because of course, everything I ever produced it was, bring your clothes, don't wear this ever, <laughs> you know, like don't stain it, don't you know. We need this for 30 days or whatever. And, um, but this was one of those films where I was like, okay, they're this, these costumes are so great and they're working so well. What I'm, what I'm always interested in is, and of course this is basically just a generalized film fatal question is that I'm always intrigued by how, and I don't like saying woman director, but I know it just, the reality of the thing uh how a female shoots a very beautiful woman and i would ask the same question if it was a you know man i've i've asked male directors like you have to stay away from it this actress the camera really likes her or maybe somebody's going to be drawn in by her beauty and not pay attention to what she's doing is there a way that has a woman director you you pull back or you think maybe let's not like this or like we want to stick with people just noticing her character and what she says and not get lost in how much the camera loves her? Um, I think, I think it goes a little bit, you know, I want to play the character as the character, but you do want to protect your actors. So whether it's the female or male in the movie, you want them to look the best of themselves and to represent the character and how you see it. So, yeah, I think the, the DP, Pete Villani, did a great job. Like, lighting um, is important. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, in the lenses and the, the filters, and I think, um, you know, he, him and the camera crew really um, were able to light all the characters um, to, to make them, to represent the best of them and the character. That's who the actor is themselves and their character they play. Uh, okay, yeah, because everybody, like, that's why even, like I said, I noticed the guy's suits. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
so it wasn't just uh, um, that question. And I I bring it up because I made this goof on air one time where my friend said he was bringing on the writer of this short film that he directed. Doesn't tell me that she started it. And then I'm talking with them and I start, and then I'm like, wow, that and that actress you guys had was so beautiful. <laughs> and then the, the woman's like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, and my friend Steven just starts laughing. He's like, she's the actress. And I, yeah, I just wow. felt so dumb. I just felt because it was like that little guy moment slipped out. And I just thought, well, you know, it's a compliment and I'm not being a pig. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like, okay, you don't say that again. So <laughs> keep it with how is the DP going to make them look so I don't sound stupid. Um now we come to the fun filmmaking time where uh, I'm going to ask you, I have our three, these are our most generic questions, but I love to know just to know. And that would be, let the audience know what are a couple of your influences, whether it be for this or just in general, the films that keep you uh, moving. I call them the, if your house was on fire, you would grab them pile of films. <laughs> Well, there's a big pile of films for me that I'd grab. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, from my 80s collection to my, you know, I don't, Indiana Jones to my uh, Total Recall. There's just, uh, you know, some of the classics, you know, I, I like Sunset Boulevard. That's one of my favorite films. Um, and I like... Uh, Maltese Falcon. Have you seen that? Oh, of course, yes. I love that movie. (laughs) John Houston. I love when, you know, I get, it's so hard, especially in L.A., uh, and we have listeners all over, people think, you know, it's so hard to walk that film snob line because it's like people are like, especially now, I never ask people their age or generation, but um, I'm 38, and I was just fortunate to learn about Howard Hawks and John Huston and Billy Wilder when I was like 19 and it was just because my grandma would teach me about that stuff so uh, a lot of connections that I have in the business it would be because they were like you're 21 and you like Sunset Boulevard and Stalag 17 and Some Like It Hot is one of your favorite movies and still to this day I'm like I don't think anything gets more creative than that first shot of Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis in drag um, so, but Sunset Boulevard, you know, I mean, that's, uh, when people are like, who's like William Holden? It wasn't, and the only reason I was, my mom would say, come sit down and watch this movie with me. I'm like, black and white, mom, I don't want to watch this. She's like, no, it's good, <laughs> sit down. And then she kind of like, had, you know, she opened our eyes and had, we had a love for film, you know, because she loved these films. She liked those really long ones too, but, uh we would sit through and we're like, Oh, it's actually good. And you don't appreciate it until later. You're like, wow, she really, you know, she really introduced us to something great. Yeah. Well, and sunset Boulevard, what I love. Uh, and of course, Sam Mendes says he's just rips on Billy Wilder uh, when he made American beauty was that people, you know, just loved American beauty, but have told me like sunset Boulevard, that movie starts with the guy dying. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what American Beauty does, and 
Sam Mendes says he took that from Sunset Boulevard. So it's like, <laughs> you know, why just because it's black and white? Um, and, you know, I, I, in film school, it was, I was in film school in 2000. So it was 100% all you watched was Alex, which I love Alexander Payne and Soderbergh and Fincher. And, but that was all you could watch. That was all you could bring up. That was, uh, I mean, I remember our teacher showed us Treasure of Sierra Madre, which I had seen, of course, because my grandma was such a big Bogart fan, but everybody in our class was just sitting outside. God, I would have skipped that class. What a stupid movie. And a friend of mine who was like 30 at the time, I was 21, uh, Gabby, my friend from Mexico, just in this thick, thick Mexican accent says, when you can win a Best Directing Oscar and you can direct your dad to an Oscar and you can direct your daughter to an Oscar then you can complain. If not, shut the fuck up. (laughs) And everybody just looked at him and he's like, I'm getting coffee. And I just was like, that's a great way of explaining John Houston to people. Yeah. (laughs) Like everybody just got was, and, and then everybody shut up and I was like, wow, that works. So like next time these guys are bashing on some black and white Godard film or thinking they understand Fight Club and they saw the ending coming. Uh, can we tell them to, sh- you know, I shouldn't have said that, but, you know, like I told no, you before, sometimes. sometimes when people criticize, you know, any filmmaker because it's, it's very difficult to make a film. And then when you have someone just criticize you after an hour and a half, like, oh, that sucks. It's like, well, you can't just, you do know someone just spent like two and a half, three years on something like they just dismiss them, like, okay, well, let's see your stuff. Let's see your work, and then let me, you know. So I, I feel that way sometimes when people um, criticize this other filmmaker, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say it's, and I'm proof, it's, it's hard to make a piece, it's hard to make a turd. Um, I'm like, you're still up all night. You're still draining your resources. You're still wondering how you're going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so with... With influences, um, obviously we talked a little bit about Indiana Jones uh, before we went on air. People uh, see this film, again, August 29th, Amazon, available for DVD and Blu-ray pre-order. And then you told us there's going to be a theatrical screening. Yeah, and you can do digital download on the 29th as well. Yes, we're doing a screening in Atlanta, September 3rd. Oh, that must be awesome. Did, yeah, I'm very did excited. You, yeah. Did you do the festival circuit? So have you seen it on a blue on a big screen? Um, no, I have not seen it on a big screen. Wow, I did not that's do the festival pre- circuit. That's wow. That's that's amazing. Um, I, I can I have been fortunate to uh, see films I made on the big screen. Only one of them, and because uh, the rest are straight to video crap. Um, no offense, I should, well, yours is, <laughs> yours is good straight to video crap. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, we know just the nature of streaming now. I mean, this was when it was DVDs going in stores and, uh, I remember I had a few things in Blockbuster and Hollywood video and when streaming came along, it made me think, well, now did I never have films that were released? They're gone and they're... I actually found one of my films in the dollar ninety nine rap bucket at Blockbuster. Oh, you did? How cool! Yeah, 
and and you like with you, what you were just saying about what goes into the films. I remember holding it, thinking, "Wow, you know, three years of work, and they're selling it for a dollar ninety nine." You know. <laughs> no, well, that's what my best friend that I was telling you about was uh, was with me, and he goes, "Well, at least it, that's what he said." He goes, "Well, at least it's in Blockbuster. At least it's in the." the rack. I go, but this is the rack of everything that they can't throw out. He goes, well, then buy it and take it out. So that's not the rack. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could stoop to buying my own film for two bucks. And so, but yeah. Um, but that is uh, definitely something that could be a whole nother uh, podcast on what filmmakers uh, think about uh, streaming and theaters and where stuff's going. My last two questions for you, uh, we've now been asking every guest and um, let's see if you could make, I, I probably know the answer to this, but obviously the guests don't perfect. The script's perfect. You have everything you want on budget, etc. cetera. Uh, I get, I'm telling you, you can make whatever genre you want to make. What's the genre you want to make? Uh, I would like to make uh, a sci-fi like Star Wars, or an action movie like Die Hard. Like a one-man army movie? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Die Hard, yeah, I like action. Die Hard or Star Wars? Or Star Wars, Interesting. We had the cinematographer of Rogue One on the show, but we had him on for Lion, so we didn't talk about Rogue One. Um, oh, Lion is a great movie. Yeah, Lion. It was. It was such a. I. I still just don't know how. How we were. It, it was just such a nice guy. He was so. Uh, you know, it was just really fantastic to talk with him. And I kind of. I really only brought up Rogue One to show the diversity of his work. And I could tell the minute I mentioned Rogue One, you could sense that, like, oh no, you know, <laughs> he hooked me with Lion, and he's going to be a Star Wars geek. And I, yeah. so then that's when I said, no, it's just to show the diversity, people. Like, this guy can shoot Star Wars and then turn around and shoot Lion. Um, which, of course, everyone out there, if you have not seen Lion, not going to say it's the most upbeat film that's going to make you go run laps around the track, but you have to see it. It's not a film you can miss. Uh, it's a then, great movie. It's painful. So oh. You know, going in, it's going to be painful, but it's so beautiful, beautifully acted, beautifully shot. Beautifully directed, it's beautiful. It's a great film. Yes, it was so. Um, you know, all I can say is is the the brother dynamic I have with my brother, and so I, a friend of mine had said bring some tissues. She was looking at it more so. She has a five year old granddaughter, so she was thinking of her granddaughter getting lost in the country, and I just thought, okay, tissues. You know, okay, yeah, this is a sad movie. I can see it's going through human emotions. Then it hit the brother dynamic, and it had some scenes that had happened between my brother and I not even three weeks before. Mm. So I started, like, the full-on, like, choking crying to where, like, it was just my dad and I. Yeah, like, my, my dad and I and two other people in, like, a PM show we were really hoping the other two people didn't show up because we wanted to have the whole theater, but to where the point of where my dad was like, are you okay? And I was just like, 
you know, leave me alone. And I, and I almost left the movie, but it was, you know, as you know, it's too good. And mm-hmm. so I call it the, like, bring a towel movie, but I don't want to make people, like, <laughs> think, it, think it'll ruin their day. But it was – and I actually asked the DP. I'm like, you got – you know, you you made me feel like you guys were there, you know, watched my brother and I and then went and made the film. So it was, you know, the very – it was to me it was a great compliment. Um, so the next question is, uh, you know – you haven't had dinner for a week. The rent's due. Lights are off. I come to you and I say, I want you to direct this genre, and there's just no way in heck you're doing it. There's no way in heck I, I'm doing it? What do you mean? Yeah, there's no way in heck you're doing it. You have to pay the rent. You have to pay the lights. You haven't had dinner in a week, but you're not going to direct this name. You're not going to direct this, put your name on it. You want nothing to do with this genre. Oh, pick a genre that I do not like, a genre, I do not like that, uh, what's it called, Uh, torture horror, or torture horror, I I don't like that. (laughs) Torture porn. What's it called? It's called like, isn't it called like porn or torture? I'm not, I don't like those kind of movies. I don't like it. You know what's funny is that, I I I I'm gonna probably end up killing this question soon, but everyone ends up using the word porn in what they wouldn't do. And I'm not being crude, you're a woman. But uh-huh. I laugh because it's like sci fi western bank rubber. What wouldn't you do? Porn. And I'm just like, No, you know, like give me something. Like you don't like well one guy one guy did say He's just he's a, he can deal with them, but he wouldn't want to make a romantic comedy. Oh, well, I'm so about the I movies w- like Saw because they they call it, it's like it's not just horror; it's kind of like this torture. And it's called, it's those so Saw movies. Like I oh, I don't okay. like the torture. That's they call it like torture or something. I don't know what it's called, but I don't like the torture movies. Oh, okay. So we're so it's like Freddy Krueger's okay, but you're talking about like when it gets crazy in there. Yeah, saw so pretty. Are you going to yeah, Are you going to kill him? Are you going to, like, mutilate him? I don't like movies like that. I can't watch stuff uh, like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, it's you a know, genre. I don't know what it's called. It's like, <laughs> let me look it up. I don't know if it's called torture porn or torture, let's see. What's no, I have to, you know, I'm, you make me want to Google that. Because yeah, there it's is a, torture, there's a sadistic movie trend. It's called torture porn. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it's like, um... It's a. They said popular horror after Saw. It's like those kind of movies that are sadistic and torture, and you know that that's a, that's called that genre. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Not I like no porn, clue. like pornography, like not like porn movie. Um, but that's what those kind of horror genres are near. You know, Saw, Hostel. Oh yeah. right, right. Well, I I've never been the biggest fan of horror, but like. I like the first couple of Nightmare on Elm Streets. I like New Nightmare. I like... I, yeah, I was that's ne- different I ne- than, like, Saw. I think that's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I never I never liked the... I don't go see horror films. I never... I only watched the first Friday the 13th because my older brother made me watch it to scare me. Um, hence, that's why we have a relationship like Lion. Um <laughs> But I can't complain because he also showed me Risky Business and Revenge of the Nerds and, um, 
Platoon and so many other films that, you know, the moment my dad said I couldn't watch it, uh, that would be my brother's cue to show it to me. Um, so, I mean, what five-year-old kid should see Risky Business? I mean, come on. It's it's great, Tom Cruise. and yeah. yeah, so inappropriate. I watched it the other night on Amazon, and I was like, oh, my God, I would kill my brother if he showed my five-year-old son this. Yeah. Like, I've told my dad about a few of the things I saw. He's like, you saw what? Like, really? No wonder you act the way you do, but bad example. Risky business, everyone out there who's of age, I'm not going to say be 17, be the age that your parents will let you watch it. Great film, wonderful Tom Cruise. I think he was 24, or it's the famous dance scene. It's not the most appropriate storyline, but uh, we don't censor. We'll let you decide that for yourself. So uh, last thing is, Camille, is there anything – uh, other than this, uh, that you would like to promote at the end of the show, we kind of like to just give the guest a minute or two if they'd like to, whether it's a group you're a part of or a website or something else you're doing. It's just it's um, your floor. I just say support independent film. You know, check out films directed by women. Um, I think that that'd be a great start for everyone and just support, you know, independent filmmakers and women filmmakers and diverse filmmakers. Um, Then you have more variety, right? I mean, like variety. Yeah. You wouldn't want to eat the same thing every single day, would you? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, did you see Valerie Weiss's Archer? No, I did not. But do you know Valerie? I do know who she is. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. She if you can find the Archer, her last indie film. I know she directs a lot of studio television. Yeah, I saw her a, last indie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I saw a different. Yeah, I saw a film by her, a, a different one. So let me. Oh, the mm-hmm. A Light Beneath Their Feet. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we had her on for that, and it was like that was the one that, time. Uh, Good. What is Archer? The Archer is. Uh, she made a film. Very subversive, very uh, a woman gets sent to a girl's home and then it kind of has a subversive thing about what the government does with those. And it really was like a one-man army movie, actually. You really would dig it. It was like action, drama, uh, political corruption. Um, I I got to see it at Newport Beach Film Festival, but I'd also seen a, a link that she let me see to do a review. And... It was just it was just brilliant. It was so um I mean it was as good as her first film, but it was like you said, variety. It was just could not have been different. If you would have shown me the two films and told me it was the same director, I wouldn't have believed you. Wow. Yeah, look yeah. at that then. Yeah, so the Archer, I know it'll come out. I haven't asked her and I never oh, expect so anyone to tell me but so Yeah. So it, it but it, it played South by Southwest, played some festivals and uh but yeah it's a really great film her other film just blew me away and then i don't know if you know her background or she's like a scientist and a phd and a doctor and so i just thought that was uh the psychiatry aspects of a light beneath their feet were just so interesting but anyways you have two filmmakers on the phone that could probably talk for two hours if they had the time so uh before we turn it into camille and i talking we will wrap up this promotion of 
her film, The Ninth Ward. And again, that's spelled the N-T-H Ward, coming to Amazon 829, available for pre-order on DVD and Blu-ray. And again, Amazon Prime, August 29th. Thank you so much for your time today, Camille. Thank you for having me. No worries. And I will get you this link as soon as it's ready. Okay, awesome. And it's the end Take of care. You have a great day. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to send you out another happy Aloha Friday. And no matter what you're doing, whether it's morning, afternoon, night, or any other time of day there is, make sure and watch a good movie.